0: While you're there, subscribe to us via your favorite network. Now tune in, get ready, and enjoy the journey of emerging as a leader of exception in the 21st century.
1: Good afternoon, good morning, good evening to everyone. This is Vicki Nethling, and welcome to the Find Your Leadership Confidence podcast. This podcast's goal is to share topics and guests that will empower you to grow as a confident leader and take your business and your life to that next level. Today's guest with me is Carmen Morrison. Let me tell you a little bit about Carmen. She said, when you know what needs to be done, the best brain-based methods to get there and how to handle obstacles every parent can be taught and every parent can be an outstanding parent. And I think that's every parent's fear is they're not gonna be so good at that. There is no manual though, right? Dr. Carmen has 30 years of working with hundreds of children, adolescents, and families. She is the founder of three mental health enterprises, is fluent in Spanish and English, specializes in making neuroscientific attachment-based care understandable and actionable for her clients and for you all. (laughs) The... Carmen's best work is helping parents and teens diffuse conflicts. We never have conflicts with teens, do we ever? (laughs) And grow to understand each other so they can build a relationship that is strong and lasts long into adulthood. Together with her husband, Carmen leads an international nonprofit that brings grassroots mental health initiatives to urban slum communities in the developing world. Today's theme will be overcoming bad habits or even addictions is possible when you learn how to rewire your brain. Once again, please uh, join me in welcoming Carmen Morrison.
2: Hi, Vicki. Hey, so there's a lot packed into that bio that <laughs> there is now my husband wrote that so i have yeah, to put that out as yeah, a
1: disclaimer so, kudos for him so <laughs> as being mm-hmm. a a parent mm-hmm. of two now adult children <laughs> so i've lived through the teens they're both in their yeah. 30s now and um once made me a grandma but i know uh just from not from the experiences with my kids as much as some of the kids that they were growing Mm -hmm. up with those associations that they had, where those parents really could have used your help. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. why don't you, um, first, we always start out with an easy question to kind of break the ice. (laughs) Just tell our audience, what part of the country do you call your home?
2: Um, I kind not even have Texas as a home base, but because we travel internationally a lot mm. for our nonprofit and even around the country quite a bit, um, my kids always laugh and say, where in the world is Carmen Morrison? <laughs> <Because> <laughs> <laughs> we, we're not always sure. And they say, this is like a role reversal, mom, like we're, you're supposed to be the one who knows where we are, not the, us trying to figure out where you are. Um, but d- when we're, when we're, in one place for a month or so, it's usually Texas.
1: Oh, need to put GPS on you. Just about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, Texas is a big state anyway to hold mm-hmm. on, on to you. What are some of the ways that people feel stuck, hopeless and defeated? We could probably um, take the whole program to talk about this, but just give our could. audience some examples.
2: Um, you know, there's there's, there are kind of levels of stuck. So I'm going to kind of back into that question, if that's okay. So there's the stuck where I just can't function. And that's sort of like a therapy needing stuck, right? Mm-hmm. So that's where um, I'm just sort of shut down and I, and I can't function. And I really need some pretty intense help to get out of that place. And there's this, then there's where i just feel fine i don't feel stuck in any way like those are the two kind of extremes and in the middle i think is where most of us live mm-hmm. where we do pretty well we function we get through day to day but we just have places where when we hit those places we're like I uh, just do the same thing. There's a default loop that gets set off and uh, it could be insecurity as an example. That's the one that comes up an awful lot. So I'm pretty confident, which I know is your theme. You know I'm pretty <laughs> confident most of the time. Um, I still like to think of myself as a fairly confident person um, and most people who know me would describe me that way. but there are certain scenarios where I can predict that if I face that, it's gonna trigger, oh my goodness, I have no idea what I'm doing, I don't know what I'm doing. And all of a sudden I become somebody I don't even recognize. So that would be one kind of stuck. Another kind of stuck is where we have learned patterns, um, whether it's habits, and habits don't necessarily have to be addictions, they can be. Um, We sometimes think of addictions as just substances, but there's a whole range in terms of behaviors, but things that sort of we do automatically to cope, which I could go into that a little bit more. There's a whole different part of the brain. Yeah, because a lot over. of times you don't even recognize that you're exactly. doing it. Exactly. It goes into an automatic pilot mm-hmm. place in the brain. And yet it ends up landing us someplace we don't want to be again, mm-hmm. but we don't really know what to do to make that different because it is on automatic pilot. So that's another kind of stuck place that we hit a lot. A third one that I think I see that comes up a lot has to do with relationships. Um which does the same kind of a thing. There's a certain pattern that plays out over and over again. It could be with our teen, it could be with our spouses, it could be with our parents. Uh, you know, if, we're, if I'm a young adult and I have uh, you know, parents and we just end up having the same conversation loop over and over again, there's a stuck pattern that kicks off relationally as well. So I think those might be three big areas that I see that, com- that people come up against quite often. So I
1: guess in that first example, though, where, you know, it's truly you need some assistance, you know, a psychologist, met, mm. you know, mental help is really whenever that hopelessness and that defeated that you can, you're yes. dug in that hole and you just don't know how to get out on your yes.
2: own. And, I, and it's affecting my functioning, my day-to-day functioning. Uh, and that's when we do need, I'm a psychologist, so I've been doing that work and know that work really well. Um, and there's, there's a place for that when, when we just are so stuck that it's gonna take some real intensive work to, to get that moving again, then that professional level of help is really important. I know that
1: you know, illness, chronic illness especially mm. that impacts your brain uh, yeah. definitely can cause that I, I have a mom that's got that situation going on mm-hmm. and um and so that feeling hopeless mm. especially uh comes to mind a lot in yeah her situation with her chronic illness
2: yeah
1: so for those people i guess you know we uh what we can with the drugs and with the Mm -hmm. consultation, but not everybody uh, wants help or wants to admit they want help. So how Mm. do you deal with those situations?
2: Um, If somebody doesn't want help, there are probably a few categories that they're going to fall into. One is that they feel that they're doing pretty competently on their own. Now, others around them may be looking at them (laughs) and going, we don't think that's the case, but they themselves feel like I feel like I'm managing okay. And there's sort of a a balance that gets kicked off where the pain of changing has to be... um, greater than the pain of staying the same. So there, when we make any kind of a change, yeah. it's not necessarily the easiest route to go. So that's why sometimes we default to just, it's not that bad. I'll, I'll stay the same. I could use this, uh, this wrist as an example, yes. right? So I have a splint on my wrist. Uh, I was playing with my granddaughter who's three. She jumped when I wasn't expecting her and snapped my wrist back. and there was a awesome. sharp pain. And uh, I thought, "Oh, that hurt. (laughs) And I didn't do anything because it didn't swell or didn't look terrible. But over the course of a week, it just, the pain kept getting a little bit more and more every time I did something with it. So I thought, well, I better do something, not go to the doctor. I just need to do something. So I, I thought, well, let me immobilize it for a little bit and rest it and see if that helps. And so I wore this for three weeks and it still was not getting any better. So then I was like, oh, I guess I better go see somebody. And it turns out I have a, a fracture of a bone called the scaphoid, which I had never heard of in my life. So yeah. Um, That's kind of how we do. That's pretty normal though, because we're going to look for what do I know or what's within my regular life repertoire that I can just draw from to see if this will help. And so it's only when it's not helping, it's getting worse. um, It's starting to cause more pain than what I can tolerate. Then we go, okay, now I do want help and that's a yeah. very individual thing and I, I don't that's not something i ever judge like um we each have to to know when we're ready to make the investment
1: yeah.
2: of what it takes in order to change even when the change is a positive one yeah. it takes a lot of lot times, investment
1: yeah a lot of times i think we in our minds think that change that next thing is going to be worse than right now, so maybe I'll just exactly. ignore. I'll ignore it, and it will be fine because I can live with what it is now. Exactly. Not it could get. Worse.
2: Or it takes. It also takes a lot of life resources, right? It takes space and life, time, energy, stress levels. If they're really high, just managing a lot of other things, then I don't have space to give to another change just now. And so I think a lot of times people are weighing their available internal resources and just going, I just can't even get my head Mm -hmm. around adding another thing to my list. If the pain gets bad enough, we'll bump something off the list and do it anyway. But if it's not, we'll just sort of bump along until we feel we get to a place where maybe I can have the space to do that. So I don't ever judge that. I think there's, we we each know what we can do and can't do and what we have the ability to do. And so when, when we either have the time and space to do it or the pain starts to tip the balance just a little bit, then we typically do want the help and, and we'll reach for it. So in talking about
1: that, though, how is that working against how our brain is supposed to work?
2: Ah, well, I love that question. <laughs> that's a fantastic question. Because one of the fascinating things about the brain's design is, and I'll just take stress for an example, the whole stress system in the brain is is set up to drive us towards connection with other people, to reach for help. Mm-hmm. Um, our tagline in, in our company, Ally, is that no one changes alone. We all need an ally. Uh, and that's that's a brain-based from Mm -hmm. birth from cradle to grave we don't make changes on our own we think we do a lot, but we all need to have those connections that help our brains integrate and stabilize that that gives us the ability to take risks and be confident and um, uh, step out into new places and start new businesses and all the yeah. kinds of crazy things that, that leaders do uh, and entrepreneurs do, for example. And and so the, the brain-based strategy is that the quicker we can connect with support, the faster and more complete change can become. Mm-hmm. The problem for us, especially in American culture, is that we have this notion that you're supposed to pull yourself up by oh, yeah. your own bootstraps. That's right. right. <laughs> Self-sufficiency is what we admire because we, we think people have done it all by themselves. And when you really dig into people's stories, even sort of the, the myths and icons of, of the culture, nobody has ever done anything all on their own. It just doesn't happen. So um, that to me is one of the biggest things with working with your brain or against your brain is knowing that the brain works best when it's connected with somebody else.
1: So it sounds like some retraining is needed. Uh, I know one of the classes that I teach just talks about the fact that you need that conflict to understand the, to get to that hope because you yeah. feel that need and that community can only take you there so exactly what you're saying you mm-hmm. you, you have to and, and i always run across people that think that they have to do it all themselves and you see how burned out they are mm-hmm. and yet they're so hesitant to delegate
2: yeah well, especially if there's a belief behind that, that mm-hmm. to do that is a weakness mm-hmm. or a flaw sure, or sure. deficit, deficiency in me, mm-hmm. that I'm not going to want to do that and uh, and kind of have everybody see that I'm deficient or weak or flawed. And so then the sort of a shame builds into that that makes us hide that even more. And that's just that the whole brain, when we start going in that kind of thinking, the brain goes into disarray. It starts to mm-hmm. dis- literally disintegrate, meaning the parts of the brain stop functioning Mm. together Mm. and start functioning in in imbalanced kinds of ways. And that's where we start getting in trouble. (laughs) So I think that it's a subject that could
1: overwhelm. So what would your advice be to be the small things that you can do? Mm. You know, I'm all about working on the small wins that, you know, having little things that compound. And over time before you know it, you get to where you need to be without the stress that tries to take on that huge thing. So what are some small
2: things that we can do? When it comes to the brain, small is the name of the game. So uh, it actually doesn't work to do big grand plans or <laughs> you know these huge complex strategies. That, that's not how the brain works at all. So the first thing we have to do is we have to figure out where the stuck starts. <laughs> so um, oftentimes where we feel stuck is not where our brain is stuck. Where we feel stuck is sort of at the end of a domino, chain of events. So let let, me give an example of that. Um, I feel stuck in an anxiety place where I just, uh, I'm stressed and I'm just worried and worried all the time. And so I'm overworking and that's where I'm stuck. But that's actually not where your brain is stuck. Your brain is stuck um, someplace way earlier than that. If I don't know that, then I end up trying to do things to be less anxious, to make the anxiety go away, to stop feeling anxious, to numb it out, to distract myself. And they might work temporarily, but they never work long-term because that's Mm. not where my brain is stuck. There's a variety of places in the brain where it could be stuck. And it's very individual. One example might be, it might be stuck in um, sort of automatic thoughts that I have that are built in from life experiences or beliefs that I hold. Mm -hmm. Um, And that is in a specific part of the brain up here in the front. And we can do some very small little steps, um, some cognitive retraining that it's not very hard. It's just being aware of, okay, that's an automatic negative thought. Do I believe that? Mm -hmm. I mean, sometimes just that's that simple, because a lot of our automatic negative thoughts, when we actually slow down enough to hear them, we go, just, I don't even believe that. That's a ridiculous <laughs> thought. And then we're able to kind of start to move that in a different place. Um, Sometimes it goes to the feeling trauma center of the brain, which is like right in the middle. This is your brain. It's right in the middle. Uh, And that's where we maybe we've had a life experience around something that keeps just triggering this. Oh, no, no danger, danger place. Mm -hmm. So we might have to go back and work on that alarm signal so that it don't it's not sounding all the time, even when things aren't terribly dangerous so a small step if we're dealing with the, the feeling place of that one small step is to be able to go okay is this feeling connected to now or connected to some other time just asking that question starts to send the brain in a different place which is no longer gonna to be to the stuck place. It's just, yeah. it, it's like a fork in the road kind of a place. So there's just a couple of examples. Um, one of the courses that I teach is how to reset your brain. And what we do is we help you do an individualized plan where you go, we trace it back to where your stuck starts. And then we help you do those small step strategies there to start to to move your brain in a new a new pathway and it's been it's like one of my favorite things to do because it's such a such a doable thing it does sure. not take big steps
1: and again it's in my experience I've run across so many people that especially in the work environment where you're at a high stress I would imagine now even so you know the the folks are overworked, overwhelmed in working from home or in a a stressful environment at work because there's so few, there's Mm -hmm. all of the things that can cause them to be unfocused and worry about stuff, you know? And I think that having a a way for them to be able to stop, take the minute, to be able to say, you know, is this founded? Is is it right now is a great, great tip. How do you get people to do that though? (laughs) How do you convince somebody to do that?
2: Um, Well, you know, I don't find it hard. I don't really try to convince anybody. I just say, look, here's how your brain works. Um, Try it, try it. Just let's put it to the test, give it, do it a week. Let's take this step for a week and then we're gonna measure it and see did it shift the needle at all for you? Did the did the worry, let's take worry as an example. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the best things to do with worry is to take action. Again, if we understand how the brain works, the brain worries to get you to do something. That's the whole purpose of worry. The problem is we worry and worry and worry as though the worry is the action, right? So I had, a, my, I had a little Irish grandmother. She was four foot 10, feisty as all get out, slept with a baseball bat under her pillow. I mean, she was she was something else, but she worried like nobody's business. And uh, one day she was worrying about something. And I said, Grandmom, in all the years you've been alive, how many times has this ever happened? And she said, Never. See, it worked. (laughs) So we think, right, we think that the worry is what prevents these feared things from happening, when really worry is just designed to get us to take action. And if you find that the faster you decide, you, you take a step towards some solution, it may not be the best, just a solution. The faster that worry is going to come down and resolve itself, because now the brain is is working the way it's it's designed to work.
1: And I think that adds to another scenario where. Um people take forever to make decisions because they're yes. afraid
2: it's the wrong decision yes. and, and and it's like will you die from that decision <laughs> <laughs> well that that's what paralyzes the brain because mm-hmm. the brain is trying to say okay think about it worry about it chew on it pick a just pick an option and move and as soon yes. as you move new options open up and then you know we can we can find our way from there when we don't do something the brain actually just goes into disarray it just Mm -hmm. it's like I don't know how to do this (laughs) and that's what we feel that paralysis that indecision it's an awful feeling for us because our brain is literally going free fall so the the, the, even if we don't have great options if we pick the least awful option (laughs) it will actually going to We'll feel way better and we'll start being able to see more options because our brain settles down. When we're in that worry mode, the thinking part of our brain, the problem solving, strategizing, logic part goes offline. Yeah. Like it literally is, is just goes dark. So we don't have access to the best of our ability. So the faster we do something. The faster we're gonna have more good options available to us. So the best thing we do to help ourselves is just do something, anything. Doesn't matter what it is. That that has been my
1: mantra for Mm. the last eight months or so is just act. Yes.
2: See you working on your (laughs) break. Yep.
1: Yep. And I will tell you, I've had a great eight months because Uh, I just act. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. So how can All of these things help an individual grow to be
2: more confident. Mm. Well, and I'm sure you deal with this topic a whole lot as a a focus. Um, Thinking about in the brain where confidence comes from, um, I'm going to use different language for confidence. So confidence, we like to think of as a feeling Mm -hmm. or belief about ourselves. From a brain perspective, I would call confidence an integrated brain. So an integrated brain, meaning that um, I'm not in alarm mode. Um, I have access to my thoughts. I can connect to my feelings. I'm connected to my body. The feedback loops are flowing the way they should. When we have a brain that's functioning in an integrated way, we have a sense of well-being. We have a sense of can-do. Because things are well within me, um, and it's it's uh, it's a felt sense that mm-hmm. we have because the, it's the way the brain is is working all together. So when we don't have a brain that's integrated is when we feel (laughs) I don't have that confidence or I'm not as assured about something because either I'm triggered by feelings or I'm triggered by negative thoughts and, and beliefs that are going off and the brain has disintegrated just a little bit. So, how we can develop, from my perspective, working with the brain, how we can develop more confidence is by developing a more integrated brain. And the number, I'll go back to where we talked about a little bit ago, the number way to integrate, number one way to integrate our brains is by working to have good connections with others. That's like the starting place. It's where we start as babies. It's where it's meant to all grow out of. And, uh, and so working on having um, good relationships with the significant mm-hmm. people. So if I were struggling with confidence, the first thing I would do is um, work on securing my relationships more deeply. Because and, when and I have look- that, I'll, I can step out more and uh, tons of research on that. Like That's not just my opinion. That's a, a well-researched fact that uh, that will give us the ability, the, the confidence, that security, which is another word for it, to be able to step out and uh, try new things. So I would imagine that
1: the, the people that you hang out with also impacts that. Mm. I know that um, several articles that I've read lately as well as um, my Darren Hardy Mm -hmm. training talks about the fact that, you know, every so often you just have to clean out the closet or uh, look (laughs) at that. I think Darren recently said, uh, look who's sitting at the table and who you need to not invite anymore. Yes. Yes. You know, that
2: can be an impact, right? Well, it's it's not just can be, it definitely will be. So who your friends are, um, even your family members, right? The ones that you're going to spend time with, if they are people who reflect the kind of person you wanna be, or that embody the kind of values that you wanna hold, or are living in a way that you aspire to live, then being around them, it's not just in an example way, but being able to connect with them, they're going to give you the the sense of security that you need in order to take the steps to, Mm -hmm. to follow that example. Oftentimes what we do is when I lack confidence, I will pick the people who mirror what I lack because it feels more comfortable because they're not shining a light on what I feel like I lack. So if I go with somebody who has what I lack, then I'm going to be like, oh, see, it's really obvious that I don't have this. (laughs) So I'll avoid that by hanging out with people who are just like me, but that becomes a self-reinforcing sort of a cycle Mm. as well at a brain level. So being able to find people who, um, believe in us, who get us, who, um, not just give a superficial cheerleading, Mm -hmm. but actually can affirm, um, be there when we trip and skin our knee and (laughs) (laughs) emotionally speaking and, um, are able to say, okay, now we cleaned you up now get back out there. Right, get back out there.
1: One of the things that comes to mind is that I think often we fail to be confident when we get new opportunities that we don't know what what's going to happen next. You know, we say no to things that could be life changing because we don't think that we can do them. We don't have that confidence.
2: Yes. Yeah. And if we have somebody in our corner, so in my yeah. case, you know, my, my husband has always been my biggest uh, cheerleader. Uh, so he'll be the one saying, you, you can do this, Carmen. You know, what can I do to help you? When you have somebody t- doing that for you, it's a lot easier to take crazy risks, which I do all the time. <laughs> 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 because if it falls, right, if it fails and I fall on my face, I know that I have a, a secure home base to go back to mm-hmm. where I'll be okay. I'll still be loved. Um, life will still be okay. Yeah, no matter so what true. happens out here during the day. So I can go out and be crazy and, um, and bold and grab hold of opportunities because if it doesn't work out, I'll still be okay. But if mm-hmm. I don't have that and I'm taking a risk and it doesn't work out, I'm bankrupt. Yeah, that's right. right. So that had the stakes are much higher when, uh, when I don't feel I have that security. So for me, working on relationships first, yeah. if I lack confidence, work on your relationship first, and then you can do the added skills that help you boost confidence, yeah. and they have really fertile soil to root in. Wow. Well, this has gone by super
1: fast. We'll have <laughs> to have you come by again and talk some more. Uh, but we are going to go right into the, the, what I like is the fun time where we're just doing rapid fire, five okay. questions, you have a minute or so to respond, whatever comes to the top of your mind. And um, so the first one is self-care. What comes to your mind when I talk about self-care?
2: Mm, too often overlooked. <laughs> <laughs> too often overlooked. Next is,
1: where do you find joy?
2: Mm. Joy is going to come from integrated brain and connection with others. Those two things together are the most joyful place to be. And that grandbaby. And the grandbaby. (laughs) I got a a
1: three-year-old and a six-year-old, so I know exactly. And I'm going to take care of my wrists when I'm around that (laughs) (laughs)
2: three-year-old. Yes, definitely.
1: (laughs) Okay best tip to rejuvenate your mind
2: Mm, do something different do something different because the brain when you do something new the brain just like a flower just goes ooh, and it gets yourself ready for for new opportunities so do something different
1: you had your choice would it be listening to music or reading a good book
2: Oh, that's not even a fair choice.
1: <laughs> I, love
2: I would probably choose, if I had to choose, I would choose a book. Yep.
1: And another choice taking a road trip with that hubby or a plane
2: ride. Would you rather go on a
1: road trip or a plane ride? Mm.
2: Boy, that's going to depend on, I'm going to give you a depend answer on almost all these, but that's going to depend on the purpose of my trip. If it's to get to a destination to accomplish something, I'm going to go on a plane because I just want to get there and get going. If it's to just be with somebody and enjoy the scenery, I would definitely take a road trip.
1: Awesome. Well, it has been wonderful talking with you. We're going to take a minute and share my screen. And uh, those of you that are watching, you can go ahead and grab a pen and pencil, take a screenshot. So we have a free gift, which I will let Carmen talk about in a minute. But to reach her, you could go to the website at www.alli.health. Again, that's www.alli.health. So www.alli.health. Her email is bob at life. Dot, or dash growth dot net. Again, that's bob at life dash growth.net. She has a link to her free gift. It is alliance membership. That's A-L-L-I-A-N-C-E space membership, M-E-M-B-E-R-S-H-I-P. Space dash space free one trial slash ally, and again, um, I you can email Bob at life dot underscore or life dash, dash, dash growth yeah. dot net to get that uh, if you missed that uh, those of you that are on audio only. She has a Facebook site, and uh, you can search for Ally Mental Health. That's Ally Mental Health, all one word. Twitter is Ally Space Health and Instagram is again Ally Mental Health. So once you talk about your free trial subscription membership, um, whatever your goal is, we'll help you get there.
2: Yeah, so we'd love to offer you a free week to just go through our uh, many, many resources. We have four different focus areas. One is how to rewire your brain. Um, And we do all of that. It's nothing that you do alone. Everything has coaching built into it. We walk you through step by step one simple step so that you don't have to go figure out what to do. You could just take, uh, take the step uh, one, one piece at a time with support. Uh, We have a relationship focus area that you can go through. We have how to help your body be healthy. So the ways that your, your body supports your brain Mm. and to work on that. And then we also have a parenting area. And so you get one week to just kind of go through all of those things and uh, take advantage of our weekly coaching calls, group coaching calls, where we take questions and answers. Uh, So I would love to invite you to just come and explore and see if uh, you find something that doesn't help you with the place where you're stuck starts. Uh,
1: So for the um, the one for um, I guess, would you recommend anybody that has anxiety or a worrier to anyone in particular that is (laughs) I guess the second one you gave?
2: Um, For the worrying, you could look at the rewiring your brain. Mm -hmm. So how to reset your brain would be an excellent place to start. Um, We have a a whole section of just um, start here that'll help you with any area you're dealing with. So um, some different things to touch in on. But anxiety also has a lot of roots in what's happening in our bodies. So some of Ah. the health uh, connections, um, for example, working with the gut, a lot of times anxiety has its roots in our gut, not in our brain. <laughs> so we have to work with that as well. So we have nutritional coaches that are cert- all certified um, nutritionists that are available to help people with that as well. Cause it's a, a hugely overlooked area of how we function. And uh, so that uh, those two, I think areas for something like anxiety would be great starting points.
1: Yeah, we will probably have to have another one just to talk about that because I know that uh, you know in my mm-hmm. wellness part of my my business, uh, a lot of people um, that are Prilosec, uh downers
2: oh, oh, yes. <laughs> and things like that, a
1: lot of it I think is from their brain and, and that rewiring probably could help them and they don't even recognize that. So yes. it would probably be a nice time for you to come back and we'll just chat a lo- little bit about that, see
2: um, ah, that would be where fantastic. we can get.
1: Well, I want to, as I always do, just talk real quickly I have a book that came out in February um, by Re- Rochelle Marie Lawson. I am chapter five in it, and it is on Growing Your Confidence Critical Steps to Leading in the 21st Century. So I hope you go to Amazon, uh, check out that book. It's only $1.99 for an ebook, but it's an easy read. Uh, 21 great authors in that. So that is my book. I just want to thank you so much. This has been so enjoyable. I, I could talk probably for hours to you about this subject. It's, it's one that um, is intriguing to me. Everyone, please go to um, Carmen's website. A-L-L-I dot health. <laughs> so check her website out. Definitely take advantage of the free gift. And uh, again, Thank you so much for being here. It's been wonderful talking with you.
0: Likewise, Vicki. Thank you. Thank you for tuning into the Find Your Leadership Confidence Podcast with Vicki Nettling, where we share impactful lessons that help you grow as an individual, grow your confidence, and find the positive and good within you so you powerfully and authentically become the best version of yourself.